Hello and thank you for joining us today for Journeys in Grace. My name is Pastor Eric Hubbard and today I want to thank you as we move forward in studying the Word of God and all that uh, we can gather out of this teaching on Lessons from Elijah. And today we're going to finish our lesson as we uh, draw this to a close. Now subject today is, are you a finisher? Are you a finisher? As we conclude our study of uh, Elijah the prophet. There's so much that we could talk about about this great man of God. Um, there's no doubt that he did things uh, in scripture. He was the first to do things in scripture that no one else had done. Um, in my studies and in my reading of the word, he was the first man to raise someone from the dead. He was the first man to do this. And he took he took uh, uh, the reins, of lack of a better uh, phrase, as Israel was going deep into idolatry, where uh, the kingdom had been split between the ten tribes of Israel and the two of uh, Judah, which was Benjamin and, and Judah, and the other ten were following uh, what we know as, uh, came to be known as Israel. So when we think about where these two uh, kingdoms were, and uh, Judah had good kings, uh, often on, but Israel, I, I don't recall where there were any that had one that was throughout his entire life where he followed, where he followed um, the word of God and the way of God or the law of God as we know it today. So when we talk about Elijah, and as we started this test, this uh, this teaching, uh, we did not get uh, Elijah's genealogy. We didn't. The scripture doesn't tell us about his father or his mother or where he came from or what school he was from, but we do know. That when he stepped out, he stepped out speaking God's word and having heard what God had told him. Uh, we started out this teaching saying he went and did. He heard, then he went and did. And beyond that, as we begin to delve into many of the mighty things that Elijah did, he prayed and the, the rain stopped. He declared unto Ahab, there will be neither dew nor rain until uh, until he said so because he had an unction in his in his from God that he had this ability to speak and we know in him it wasn't him that was stopping the rain it was not him it's not Elijah that made uh, the, the the water cease it was because he trusted God and it was God backing up his word as a prophet as a sent man from God and we see the mighty things that happened as Elijah went and did as he heard from God but like so many that we find in the scriptures, men uh, that followed after God, that when they erred, they began to lean on themselves. They began to trust in and allow their feelings or allow their urges to take control. And as we read some of the scriptures prior, Elijah had, uh, had, had the seeds of a great revival. Uh, when... Elijah went to Ahab and said, I want you to tell all the false prophets. And there were 850 of them that ate at the table of uh, Jezebel. And they came to uh, this, uh, lack of a better word, this, uh, this, this contest. That where Elijah said, uh, that if, if, if uh, Baal is God, serve him. I'm putting these in my words. But if God is God, serve him. So, and we know again, as I speed through this uh, recap of what we talked about in our last lesson, we know that when it came time for performance, the enemy, the devil, Satan, let his people down. And when we see that happen, Elijah called all the people to him. And he not only caused 
fire to come down from heaven. But this was after Elijah had poured water on the altar. He wanted to make it emphatic that there is no trickery here. He told them to take uh, water and just pour it on, not only to cover the, uh, the altar and cover the sacrifice, but to fill the trench around it. So when the fire of God came down, it burned up the sacrifice, it burned up the altar, and it consumed the water. And the people of, of Israel, they bowed down and said, God is God. But after this, after this great act, Elijah began to some, I've heard one uh, great uh, man of God say, Elijah began to depend upon his press clippings. In other words, what the people said. And when, when Jezebel sent a note to him and said, just like you killed my prophet, so shall you be. This was the enemy's way of bringing an end or stopping what, what Elijah had started or what was getting ready to start and, and, and could bring Israel back to a place where they were worshiping the one and true God, the God that had brought them over across the Red Sea, the God that had brought them across Jordan, the God that had defeated every enemy that they had faced from Egypt all the way to Canaan. This was the God that they should serve. This was the God that they declared that uh, this God, when, when, uh, when they came out and when Joshua was giving some of his final commands before he uh, went on, went on uh, uh, into death, he said, for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And he said, he asked them a question. He said, he told them all the things. He reminded them just as Moses had told them that when you come to the land of promise, when you get in your place of victory, that don't forget God. And this is the same thing that Joshua told them. He said, look, we've come to our inheritance. We've entered the land of promise. Now, he says, who are you going to serve? And then he made that famous statement. He said, as for me and my house, we are going to serve God because these men were finishers. Although Moses did not go into the promised land, yet he led them all the way up to a point. And when it ended, as we see in Joshua 1, when the Lord told uh, Joshua, he says, Moses, my service is, servant is dead. Okay. And so what he was saying was that the, 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 the place, the, the job that I have given Moses is over. Now it's up to you. Take it and run with it. Go. He said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And this is what God had done for Elijah. And every way that Elijah turned, when God told him to do a thing, it didn't matter whether it was the Syrian army. It did not matter if it was Ahab. The, Elijah went and, and found the king and told him what God was going to do. And Elijah challenged 850 men. It was 850 to 1. Yet he trusted God, and when he did, he came out victorious. But now, when you, when you go back and read this, in retrospect, and we look back, it was just a written note. And that's why we say words have power. The words of this woman, which, uh, and this was Jezebel, who used um, uh, manipulation and, and domination and control. She manipulated those men. She dominated them. She controlled them. And that's what's known as witchcraft. All of those things, manipulation, domination, control, are all a part of witchcraft because it's a, it's, it's a way of, of getting you under, under their thumb, putting you under their control. And there are some ministries that do it. There are people in the, in the world that does it. 
there's uh, people that we know that uh, are in uh, 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 in the in the field of witchcraft or palm reading or whatever, whatever the case may be, where they try to use those things to control you and pull you away from God. And this is what Jezebel was doing was she was using fear and said, I'm going to make you just like the man you killed. I'm going to make you the same way. And this puts fear in the man of God's heart. And it caused him to leave. And as we uh, talked, preached about and, and taught about prior, he came to a point that he says, I am no better than my own father. He said, I'm just like my fathers. I'm just like the men that came before him. And he forgot it was not him that stopped the rain. It was not him that caused the rain to come. It, it was not him. It, he couldn't have killed those 850 men in his own power. God did that. Every, every word of knowledge, every word of wisdom, every word that he spoke, it came from God. All those things that came to, came to pass. But the issue was Elijah became weary. He got tired. So this is what this is what our lesson is on about today about being a finisher. And when you finish, you bring the thing to completion. And we're all human. And this is what I want to do today: just show you the human side of Elijah. Yes, he was a mighty man of God. Yes, he did wonderful and mighty things that many even today can't say that. You know, who can say that? What last person you know that went out and spoke and said the uh, uh, I'm going to stop the heavens from rain? What person do you know? Now, we know that we don't live in a time where God would declare through most, through most believers, unless you are a prophet, uh, and we are living in a time of grace where God is not cursing his people. He's not cursing the earth because man is doing a good job by himself. When you go against God, when you go against his word, where many ways we see and say, man, that is just devastation that happened to, to this man who's one day he's he's riding high. We used to call it riding high on the hall. You know, the uh, living large, got the big house, the big car. You know, it looked like he partying all the time, more money than you could even count. One day they, they got the private plane. Everybody knows how they got it. Or, or presume how they got it. And the next thing you know is Proverbs says, they are cut down like the grass. They go to nothing. But when we who are of the household of faith, we should start strong, stay strong, and finish strong. And this is what God wanted for Elijah. But by the grace and love of God, we're going to see that although Elijah got weary. And what it said, I'm going to just read you the scripture here. I think I've quoted it before. This is Galatians 6 and 9. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing. This is what happened. This is Galatians 6, 9. And this is what Paul is telling the Galatians. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, if you will just wait, wait on God to bring whatever. If you just wait, he will bring it to a conclusion. You, if you, if you don't give up, he said, in due season, you will reap if you faint not. So in other words, you're going to have a harvest. Just keep on keeping on. It may not look like you're moving the rock. It may not look like that you're uh, uh, going to get getting anywhere. But just stay in the race. Stay in the race. Jesus said, in your patience, possess you your soul. What is he saying? He saying, don't give up. Keep trusting in me. Keep getting up every day. Keep, keep knowing that I said when I said it, what I said is what I said. I'll never leave you nor forsake. 
we as believers, sometimes I think, sometimes it comes, I sort of go backwards and I say, Lord, you know, I'm, you know, you're praying for something that looks like it's going to come to pass. And, you know, you, you, uh, uh, the, the hour is coming. The, 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 you, from, from, it goes from years to months to days. The next thing you know is hours and minutes. And, you know, you're there. And you've got to have God to move. But you have to, we all have to come to a point and say, you know what, Lord? This is the thing that I want and so desire. But you're always faithful. If it doesn't come to pass, Lord, there's a reason why. Uh, something on my part. Maybe, I don't know whether I didn't, I'm not believing right, I didn't hear you right. Whatever the case may be, I trust you. I trust you. This is what we have as New Testament believers that, that Elijah didn't have. But let's continue on with the story. So if we go back here, it says in that 19th verse, 19th chapter, and the 13th verse it says, as we uh, end our recap and move forward, it says, and it's so, Elijah's in the cave. And it says, so when Elijah heard the voice, and the still small voice spoke to him, then he wrapped his face in the mountain and went out and entered into the, entered into the, into the entering of the cave. And he said, and a voice said to him, what doest thou here, Elijah? I believe God spoke this to him at least two to three times. But I came to know from a, from a well-known man of God that whenever God asks you a question, he's not looking for you to answer it. He knows the answer. You're not giving God any new information. He wants you to listen. And if you listen, God will tell you your past, present, and future. He knew where Elijah was. He knew why the reason why he was there. He knew the fear drove Elijah to the... Uh, had driven him into the cave. And so he says to him again, he's trying to wake him up. He says, what are you doing here? And Elijah now to go with his, with his excuse. 14th verse, he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, for the Lord God of hosts. So everybody else is forgiving you. This is my words. Everybody else went home, Lord. They quit. They left the game. I'm the only one left on the field. And he goes on to say, they have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars, kill your prophets with the sword. He says, and I am the only one left. I believe we, we said that last time we were, we were together. He was told by the man of God that he had put away at least a hundred prophets and fed them with bread and water so that they would survive. So Elijah knew there were others, but he was had so much self-pity. He, he, so, he, he was so taken with fear that he just had to give God an excuse. But that didn't, that didn't move God. And let's go on and say, in, in the, to the 15th verse, 15th verse rather, and the Lord said to him, God didn't even answer him. He said, he gave him some instructions. He says, go and return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, God said, begin to give him instruction. He ignored him. He heard that whining and complaining. And I think so many times, when we go to God, rather than uh, uh, the Bible says that come before his presence with, with, with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. We should come before God with singing and, and giving him glory no matter what the situation is. Realizing that God knows my situation. The Bible says enter into his courts, with, enter into his gates with, with, with thanksgiving, with praise, with, with, with songs and lifting him up and giving him glory. Because God knows your little bitty problems. All these things we're going through, a thousand years from now, 
when we're in heaven and you look back at this date and all these things we're worried about and all these concerns and all the things and you just look at them, you would just shake your head and say, that didn't even matter. Paul said that these things won't even come to mind. When you consider the greatness, the, 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 the thing the Bible says, I have not seen, ear have not ear heard, neither has into the heart of man, the good things, the great things, the abundant things, God has for those that love him. If we'll go to the end and finish what God has called us to do. Now, I want to say again, none of us are perfect. We're not going to do everything right. Everything, you know, you're not going to, God can give you an assignment, but God is so merciful. Yes, he wants us to do it as he told us to do it. But even in the Old Testament, when we knew, when we know that that was judgment, that was judgment. But God had mercy on this prophet and he ignored him. And he went on, but God's going to show him. He's going to show him great grace. He's going to show him, show his love, not only to Elijah, but he's going to show it to us. Because many times we feel like that, man, I didn't do it all right. Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't. You know, yes, we should repent when we are, we are wrong, when we err, when we sin. But we have to come to know that the love of God, that God is love. God is love. So what did God tell him in the 15th verse? He said, return on the way. On your way. In other words, he said, get back in the race. Go back to Damascus. And he told him three things to do. First, he says, I'm not Hazel to be king over Syria. Then he says, I'm not Jehu to be king over Israel. And then God tells him, I'm not Elijah to be prophet instead of you. So in other words, God tells him, you do these three things. I got your replacement right here. I got the man that needs to be, pre be to be king over Israel and the one that be king the one that needs to be king over Syria. Do these things that I have given you. And God says, "Here's your replacement. Hazel to be king over Syria, Jehu to be king over Israel, and here's your replacement right here, Elisha. That's the man you anoint. And keep and 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 because God was telling him, "I'm getting you ready." Because God knows where we are. The Bible says he will, he will not let, he will not put, any, put more upon us than we can bear. He knew where Elijah was. And he was setting him up saying, look, you do these things I've given you. I'll give you your replacement. And then I'll tell you about your next steps. So now we, let's go on down to the uh, 19th verse. So here we see in the 19th verse it says, so Elijah left. And he found Elisha, the son of Shaphath, who was plowing the field. And he passed by him and he threw his mantle upon him. There's a problem. Yes, he did what God said and, and, and gave his uh, mantle to Elijah. But that's not what God, that's not the order God told him to do. The last thing he was supposed to do was to find his replacement. But the first thing he did was he he went out and found the man that God had told him to do. In other words, Elijah, Elijah had just really checked out. He heard that God had, oh, there's a door open for me to get up out of here. I'm leaving. And so many times we do this and we leave 
work undone. We leave and many times when we, when we leave the job early, when we leave the relationship early, when we leave the church early, yes, God still loves you. Yes, he'll going to take you to heaven, but you miss out. Other people miss by you leaving this work earth early. When you've given up the fight, you could be give up on sickness. It could be, it'd be whatever the case may be. Whatever that it sometimes, you know, when a person decides that they want to go into heaven, when a believer decides that, you know, Lord, I'm ready to come home. You can pray and pray and pray and pray. But if their mind is set that I want to go home to be with my father, and they may not even tell you. I've heard of these cases where, you know, people are praying, looks like they're getting well. But somewhere in there, somewhere, they decide, you know what? I may act, I'm going to act like, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, standing. I'm ready to go home, Father. I'm tired. And I know, and I know that happens to people. You know, and people will be surprised. Some of you are going to be surprised when you get to heaven and you get there. And the Bible says, well, you're going to know all, everything. You will know all things and you'll find out. Oh, that's why they left. And we were all praying. That, oh, that's why they, that's why they, uh, 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 they, they came on home. Because they were ready to come. They were asking to come. And we were praying and praying and praying. But many times, and I'm not talking about the will of God. Desire is to heal all. But God is not going to go against your will. He's not going to go against it. So now let's get back to the, to the uh, teaching today. Elijah went. Elijah went and found his replacement and he did not, he did not do, he did not do what God had instructed him to do. So when we see this and we, 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 real, I'm going to read you a few things that happened that what God, what, what happened with Elijah not finishing the course. First, he was told to uh, uh, anoint Jehu as king of Israel. Because he didn't do that, there were, there, there were 20 years passed before Jehu was anointed king because there were two kings. When Ahab was, was, was king, Elijah was supposed to go and anoint Jehu as his replacement. If he would have done that, Naboth, if you continue on to read, would never have lost his vineyard and he never would have lost his life. And with Ahab being moved out of, out of uh, uh, being the king, then that means that Jezebel will be moved out as being queen. But because Elijah did not anoint Jehu, the the uh, the Nebath uh, 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 lost his life, and there were twenty years of suffering that Israel did because Elijah didn't finish the work. And then you also go on over to Syria, where there were years that went past because Hazael was not anointed king by Elijah. They too suffered because the man of God did not complete his assignment. So as you read, and you can read this over again, how that when we don't, and you go and read these in Kings 19, 20, and 21, and 22, you'll read how that because this gap was there. I mean, it's over in the book of, of uh, Ezekiel where it says, the Lord said, I look for a man to make up the heads to stand in the gap, but I found none. There was one man that could stand in the gap faithfully, perfectly, and his name is Jesus. So when we turn on over and go to um, oh, the 2 Kings 
We start reading Second Kings. I'm gonna find that find that verse here. Second Kings. I believe it's in the second chapter. Elisha gets his wish. It says in second chapter, first verse, it, says, it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So God told him, said, not only am I going to take you back. Now, we, now I don't know if he told Elijah he gonna, he's going to take him up by, uh, uh, he going to catch a jet at 1230 in the afternoon and you're going on to heaven with the angels on angels airlines. I don't know if that's what God told him prior to. But he told him, I got your emplacement set up. So here is God. Now you would think of this man, if you think about it, how we think of God many times, that God is so harsh that if I, if I miss it by an inch, and that's why some people don't even try. They say, you know what, well, I'm not that, you know, I don't know many scriptures as others. You know, I, 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 my voice, it, it, it don't, it's, not, it's not as strong. It doesn't carry as much. You know, God is not, God knows who you are. He knows what, what, what kind of voice you get, you have. He gave it to you. He gave you your DNA. He knows how short you are. He knows how tall you are. He knows your, your weaknesses. He knows your failures. And he still chose you. He chose you to go into that, to that job and to work and be an example. He knows you on the construction job and you're feeding your family. And you have some of the most filthy, is, 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 is evil communications around you. But he knows that you can take it. He knows that you can stand. He knows he'll give you the power and authority. If he don't get you out of it, he will take you through it. And this is what he's done for so many. That many times we run. You know, I've left jobs sometimes because I didn't like the atmosphere. But when I look back on it, I said, Lord, I think I missed you there. Because I didn't stay. There were other times, you know, I was I said that, you know what, Lord, I'm uh, I think I make more money over here, make more money over there. Well, in reality, if you just, if God puts you in a place and he blesses you there, he wants to elevate you there. How many times have we missed that promotion? Have we missed that, that place of authority because we were chasing money? Or we were, we were going to, oh, you know, things are better over there. You know the saying, the grass is always green on the other side. But when we stay and we finish what God has called us to do, if we do like our Savior, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. And just think about it. All that Jesus went through, when they snatched the beard out of his face, they ripped it. So, you know, if you pull hair out of your face, uh, 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 hair out of your face, out of your face, rather, you're going to pull skin. You're going to start bleeding. They took a crown of thorns and jammed it on his head. They took a cat of nine tails with basically leather and they intertwined nails and spikes and glass and they ripped the skin off of his back. They spit in his face. They slapped his face. They cursed him. The very people he came to die for. They asked him, "Oh, you the one said you're gonna uh, tear down the tear down the uh, uh, the the temple and rebuild it in three days?" They see you tear it down from up on that cross. 
These were the very people he died for. The Bible says he came to his own and his own received him not. And yet the Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he looked past them because Jesus was a finisher. And in, and in the book of John, I'm sorry, John uh, 1930, hanging there on the cross, knowing within himself, not only do I have to take this beating, but he took on the sin. Before he died, he had to take on the sin. He had to become sin. He had to become every filthy, nasty sin that you can imagine. Every evil, every murdering spirit, every, every conniving spirit, every witchcraft spirit, all that entered in him. The Bible says he became sin. It's just like you becoming rich. If you become rich, that means you get all the assets, all the platitudes, all of the uh, uh, blessings that come with being rich. Well, when Jesus became sin, he took everything, every vile, every nasty, every filthy thing that you could imagine. He became. And after he took it all, he took the beating. He took all of the cursing. He took all of the slander. He took it. And then the Bible says he the, 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 the very atmosphere was corrupted because the ground, the earthquake, the ground shook. Darkness came because God had to turn away from his son because Jesus became sin. And yet the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he looked beyond all of the cross, all of the shame, and he saw us. He saw me and says, I'll do it for him. I'll do it for her. I'll do it for you. And this is what the book of Hebrews says is it begin to talk about what Jesus did. It says before, and he's talking about the Old Testament, this is Hebrews 10 and 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. What did the law require? The law required a sacrifice. It required them to kill a lamb every year and take his blood and pour it upon the altar. It's always required a lamb. And the Bible says in Revelation 13, it says, before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. Who is the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. Not only is he the lamb that was sacrificed, he is the shepherd of the lambs. He's the shepherd of the sheepfold. And he decided, I'm going to die for the sheep. And it goes on to say, fourth verse, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. And then he's beginning to quote Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, he said in the fifth verse, sacrifice and offerings thou would not, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have no pleasure. The seventh verse says, Lo, he said, look, I come. This is Jesus. And the volume of the book is written of me to do thy will, O God. What is he saying? He says the whole Bible is written about me. It's about me coming. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about me. It's all about me. He says the volume of the book, the foundation of the Bible is written about Christ coming, living, dying, rising again, 
and reigning forever. And him taking all those who would believe in him. And then he goes to that ninth verse where Jesus is, 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 is uh, speaking of his obedience. He says, he says, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. In other words, he's saying, I come to die. I'm coming, Lord. I know what you call me to do. I've got to go. They didn't take his life. That's what he told, that's what he told uh, uh, Herod. He said, no man takes my life. But I lay it down. If I lay it down, I'm going to take it up again. In other words, I'm getting up. I'm not like everybody else. You can't take my life. But I'm going to lay it down. And then in the 12th verse, and we'll end with this, as we go to 12 through 14. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. For from henceforth, expecting to his enemy be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected them forever, them that are sanctified. And I got to read 16 and 17. It says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my words in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And then he says in the 17th verse, and their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. Jesus came and died for every sin. He said their sins and their iniquities. I've forgotten them. Because Jesus took all sins for all men. Sinner and saint. The difference between the sinner and the saint is the saints, we receive the sacrifice. We said, Lord, we accept your death. We accept your blood. The sinner says, I don't need it. Either they're ignorant of it or they reject it. And people ask, why can, how can a loving God send people to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. We who choose not to follow him, you write your own ticket. You make your own decision by saying, I don't think Jesus is enough. There are other ways to God. Surely, this one man dying is not enough for the whole world. Surely, God, there's another way. All of these religions, how can there only be one? But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh to the Father except by me. I pray you receive something today out of our teaching. Jesus is the ultimate finisher. For what he did has lived throughout for the last 2,000 years and it shall continue throughout eternity because Jesus gave the best and the last sacrifice that will ever be needed from God, from man. There is, there is no other sacrifice. If you try to put something that's before God, you slander him because you say, I've got something better and Jesus is not enough. But yet surely he is. Father, we thank you today for all your many blessings. We thank you for the love you've shown, Lord Jesus. And we appreciate that which you have, your blood which you shed for us. We pray for those who don't know you that they, O oh Lord, will turn their hearts over to you and they will receive you as Lord and Savior. For all the believers who are on this call, Lord, I pray in this podcast that they will receive Christ and have received Christ, rather, and they will receive the victory. For the Bible says, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith, our faith in you. That's the victory, Lord. I've already won. For as Galatians 2.20 says, 
I live by the faith of the Son of God. Because we have your faith, Lord. We win. We win. We win. Until the next broadcast, this is Pastor Eric Hubbard with Journeys in Grace. Be blessed.